you stay alive for? That endless scurrying from bad to good to bad again must have been exhausting. And each return to bad brought with it a little flurry of death. Tell me, if you admired human so much, why did you keep inflicting your failures upon them? Is it possible to be half-man like a normal one minute and insane the next? Fascinating question. In my opinion, yes. But the concept of a multifaceted mind is too radical for the medical profession to cope with. In years to come, it will be accepted as a matter of course. But in the meantime, we lump such phenomena under the rather vague title of dementia precox. Could a man be uh, sane and insane like two different people? Oh, certainly. Although most of my distinguished colleagues would sneer at the very idea of it. Sneer? Knowledge hurts, it's known to us, but it's new. We take this poor fellow, for example, now. Now, he was perfectly right, yet millions of educated men still believe that the human race began with two naked lovers frolicking in the Garden of Eden. If you try saying the name Darwin to any churchman, or for that matter, my own name to half the medical council. If a man did have two minds, they be opposite, like good and evil. A saint and a beast, you mean? Yeah. And one human being. Yes, I don't see why not. this topic ever since my college years as a psychology major as I've always wanted to find that elusive line between sanity and insanity. I've also wondered about self-sabotage and our need for personal and collective shadow work and how those two concepts actually coexist within our psyche. So what is self-sabotage and why do we do this to ourselves? Where does it evolve from within us? How can we realize we are creating our own self-destruction before we lose ourselves in the fog of self-deceptions? Is it our insecurities? Is it our ego? Is it possible to overcome self-sabotage? What exactly is shadow work? And how do we begin that dark and sometimes torturous journey in the hopes of finding our sanity amidst a messed up world full of deranged narcissistic psychopaths in order to attain our own salvation and spiritual ascensions? These are just a few questions we'll explore today and try to find some answers. So let's begin with the concept of self-sabotage. What is it? Simply put, sometimes we undermine our own good intentions and long-term goals when we hinder our own successes. Sometimes through certain behaviors we can negatively impact nearly every part of our lives, including personal relationships and even our careers. We may stunt our growth progress for a multitude of reasons, either consciously or subconsciously. But why? 
Medical experts believe that the causes may range from unrealized or unresolved childhood issues and prior relationship traumas that we may not even be aware of their effects on our psyche or that we have not taken the actions to deal with and rectify psychological traumas so that we can free ourselves from continuous fallouts. It's also possible that this type of destructive behavior to be attributed to low self-esteem, our coping mechanisms, or even problems with cognitive dissonance. Trust issues are often linked to past negative experiences, lack of or poor relationship skills. Sometimes people who may be borderline or in full narcissistic personality disorder may hold especially high or unrealistic expectations of their personal and business relationships. Based on a study on self-sabotage, psychologists specializing in romantic relationships in Australia, they identified the main issues for the prevalence of self-sabotage in these particular relationships, and they concluded that insecure attachment styles, low self-esteem, fear of getting hurt, fear of commitment, unhealthy relationship beliefs, and coping mechanisms when it comes to matters of the heart. So if their conclusions are valid and we find ourselves suffering from a negative self-image, we may experience that low self-esteem and may subconsciously become vulnerable to self-sabotage. When we trust too much in others' opinions about us, we may behave in ways that confirm those negative beliefs about ourselves. Or when we are close to succeeding, we may become uncomfortable and seek a release from our fears, be they real or imagined. And of course, the cycle continues. It may also stem from being told all your life that you'll always fail or you're not good enough. So why waste your time? We absorb those projections somewhere deep within our psyche and somewhere down the line those words come to the surface and manifest in our lives through self-defeating actions. Let's say for example you're in a good relationship with someone but maybe your childhood was chaotic and maybe you come from a dysfunctional family. Some parents either knowing no better or afraid that their children will be disappointed tell their kids not to think so big. Maybe they said, who are you to believe you can do this or that? You'll never amount to anything. You're not that special. And on and on. And even as a young mother, I have personally never subscribed to that condescending form of relating with mine or other people's children. As I don't believe parents understand that their words to a child matter. Not only at that very moment in time, but sometimes more than not for their lifetime. Words can be used as a weapon. They can scar. You can break a child in their most formative years. And they may walk through life carrying these messages into their adulthood and destroying their future relationships without ever really understanding why. It can also become a generational aspect as we may pass this behavior onto our own children and they to theirs. Fear is another major factor 
that appears in two types, fear of abandonment and fear of engulfment. In the fear of abandonment scenario, people are either consciously or subconsciously worried that those they love will leave them when they are most vulnerable. Then there are those people who are worried that they will lose their identity or the ability to make decisions for themselves. These two fears can and often do exist together, leading to the push and pull typical behavior of those with deep fears of intimacy. So therefore, if we have lived through the aforementioned, we as adults may not always believe in stable, loving relationships, even if that's what we desire. We continue to stay in these relationships and continue to bring pain and heartbreak to ourselves and others because the base issues have not been recognized and resolved. Repeatedly ending your relationships before you can build true intimacy can make it even harder to get close to future partners. As we grow closer to a person, we may find that we are holding back parts of ourselves out of fear of getting too attached and then getting burned. And unless there's true willingness to be honest and face all the ways you may have abused or hurt other people or were hurt yourself because of the fear of intimacy, which is into me see, right? You are more than likely destined to repeat this behavior over and over again. This may be sometimes where the dark night of the soul comes into play. It's a difficult but essential part of our spiritual journey, marked by intense feelings of despair, sadness, grief, can lead to depression, self-loathing, and for some people, even suicidal thoughts and actions. If we are aware enough of our misalignment between our actions and our goals, this is where our shadow work can begin by acknowledging the parts of ourselves that we've been repressing and denying. But we will never succeed in healing if the repressed issues are not recognized and brought to the light. This is what is referred to as the encounter the first step in reconciling with our shadow. People exhibiting this behavior may also be struggling with cognitive dissonance, better known as the mental discomfort of holding two conflicting ideas at the same time, which is where we currently find ourselves in today's society regarding many current political, sociological, and humanitarian issues. As we are more receptive to experiencing consistency between our beliefs and actions when we learn to recognize our cognitive dissonance states of being. Left unattended, these issues of self-sabotaging can lead to chronic struggles with food, alcohol, drugs, gambling, relationships, and sex addictions, and even self-injury. Some ways of expressing our subconscious sabotage may include procrastination, perfectionism, self-medication, and living through constant state of ego. These destructive behaviors can also strip us of our motivations and leave us feeling anxious and unsure of how we should deal with our relationships, both personal and professional. For the most part, fear of disappointing others, failing, or even strangely enough, succeeding. 
can lead to serious and possibly chronic depression episodes, as we may feel like we're letting everyone down. The mismatch between where you're at and what was drilled into your head for years might cause incredible discomfort and many believe that holding in so much personal pain causes many forms of disease as in dis-ease still don't believe our thoughts and our words have power they are all powerful so take note of what you're telling yourself and the words you choose to speak to others we have been conditioned over time to rely on that old pattern of self-sabotage as it's familiar And we may believe that we can handle the situation at hand, but as time goes on though, we realize that form of thinking just doesn't work for us any longer. And we must in fact face the demons within once and for all. Accepting the shadow and integrating it with our true nature, this is where the dark night of the soul begins. If this scenario resonates with what you're feeling at this moment in your life, You might be wondering if you're really a self-saboteur or just not living up to your fullest potential. You may also be wondering if you are approaching or in the midst of the dark night of the soul and seeking your truth through doing your shadow work may be a great place to find some relevant answers. I did an episode last year where my guest Sarah Hallberg and I touched on the dark night of the soul and shadow work and I'll actually be bringing you an entire episode soon on the topic as I feel right now we are all collectively going through it on a much deeper level than we realize and many people are starting to wake up to the fact that we as a society have been asleep to the realities of what our so-called rulers have been doing to us on a massive scale for an extremely long time. Some believe that the veil of deception has been ripped from the faces of evil and the great awakening has begun. I'm hopeful that this really is the case, even though I know many will not be strong enough to survive the fallout of this awakening. It must take place, and soon, if humanity is to survive and ascend to our true potential. But for now, I will help you understand some basics of this concept to get your mind thinking about how our shadow work goes hand in hand with the dark night of the soul experience. The shadow cannot survive without the ego. And therefore, if we are to understand that living through ego, we continue to remain prey to our shadow. I would refer you to the work of Carl Gustav Jung, a personal favorite psychological analyst. He believed that we are composed of two personality oppositions of good and evil, and that humanity is in constant civil war with ourselves, and that the shadow work is where practitioners can help to remove barriers that keeps parts of ourselves from flowing naturally into the light of consciousness. And that when we make the unconscious conscious and we give that which we've condemned into the shadow permission to exist, only then the conversion into the opposite can take place. It is this, he stated, that makes possible the reunion of the warring halves of the personality and thereby brings the civil war to an end. 
what I understand here is that we must acknowledge that we as humans have two sides of us, that only by accepting these two sides and bringing the evil side into the light and accepting it for what it is and and that it has always been a part of the human psyche and has always will be until we process this condition by working within those boundaries that can integrate the two sides and transform our lives to a more unified existence as our dark side is usually concealed or camouflaged as we attempt to protect the ego and that we are only as free as our mind allows our shadow can actually take control if we refuse to face it as we can't control what we don't understand and ultimately acknowledge. From our traumatic experiences that we left unresolved, our animal instincts to our primitive instincts, as well as our sexual desires, can all remain hidden in our shadow. There are three main steps that need to be recognized in order for integration to take place. First, the encounter. We must acknowledge the dark side of our psyche and all that it entails through some serious reflection and introspection of our nature. It can be frightening experience for sure, but must be the first step in the process, as without this step, nothing can proceed. There are many reasons we may find ourselves in the state of dark night of the soul, such as an existential crisis due to intense pain caused by outside disruptions that we have no control over. This could be, but not limited to, the death of a loved one, extreme poverty, illness, betrayal, injustice, abuse, job loss, and so on. Leading to despair and hopelessness until you hit rock bottom, the breaking point. Second, the merger. This time period is to awaken you to your true purpose, to bring you to your authentic alignment, awareness, and a more peaceful existence, allowing for authentic life experiences. As we do the work, we allow ourselves to step into our true purpose and live with more joy, and our lives become more sustainable and, yes, rewarding. Finally, assimilation which demands hours of introspection and reevaluation, possibly with a therapist to reach the goal of recalibration and beliefs and personal behaviors. The dark night of the soul is quite literally the darkest point in one's spiritual journey, but I believe it will never be for naught. As the pioneering psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross once said, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of those depths. While the depths of our darkness may feel all-consuming at times, I'd like to remind you that there can be hope and wholeness on the other side. I'm a major fan of Dr. Jordan Peterson, and he states that we should continually step away from our old selves. To understand are you order are you chaos or are you the process that mediates between them and if you are the thing that processes between order and chaos you are the thing that transforms 
I do believe we can let things go if we understand that there's more growth to come. Dr. Peterson believes that life is a struggle and that if we don't voluntarily accept this, the struggle will continue and it'll manifest itself in every aspect of our existence. Once we accept this, we must strive to overcome the suffering that's the consequences of that. At this time, let me offer some questions for you to ponder and some insights as to how to go about beginning the journey to make the necessary changes. In order to overcome self-sabotage in our relationships, we must be able to acknowledge our role in damaging our relationships. Obviously, no relationship is perfect. You are always going to feel disappointed if you keep setting yourself and your partner up for failure. Tackling these problems means that we must be willing to be vulnerable and recognize our own issues with abandonment and rejection. Begin by taking baby steps. You know, take a step back. Go deep within your mind and not making all or nothing decisions until we can obtain the necessary information regarding our situation. Small incremental actions that won't derail you. Apply them slowly and consistently. This may help to prevent self-sabotage from your mind putting on the brakes. Maybe your need for perfectionism is the key. Maybe the need for everything has to be just right causes you to overthink every situation. It is believed that self-sabotaging people are often perfectionists as they sometimes may align this characteristic with narcissistic tendencies, as in everything and everyone in their environment must be perfect, but never more so than they themselves. As the narcissist must always be in the light and any adoration must be aimed strictly in their direction at all times. We went over a lot of this in the Know They Narcissist episode that I did last year, so maybe it's a good time to bring a part two. It could be that your behavior and your values are not aligning with your goals. If not, what is stopping you from taking actions that align with these values and goals? What is stopping you from taking actions to make your dreams come true? Maybe you feel unworthy when you actually do obtain progress. Could this be based on what others told you in the past that limited your aspirations and now your actions or reactions are possibly based on a fear of failure in the eyes of your peers, your family, your friends? Many people experience this emotion on a subconscious level and are not aware of or do not believe fear of success really exists. Maybe you've had success within your life. Some people may be envious or downright jealous, and so it may be possible that you limit your successes as to not seem too vain, too proud. If after all of this information today has you really looking at the possibilities that you may be self-sabotaging your life today, or indeed may be going through some depression episodes and confusion is set in, and you don't know what else you can do, well, you can dig deeper with these offered suggestions and professional therapy with a counselor. 
such as cognitive behavioral therapy, which uses techniques effective in relieving cognitive distortions. And it helps you replace negative thought patterns and improves your overall well-being. Or there's the dialectical behavior therapy, uh, which works well with problems that involve intense emotions, encompasses impulsive behaviors, impulse control issues, and difficulties getting along with other people. You learn to regulate your emotions better with this method. Working with a therapist can help you understand that self-sabotaging um, actions can remain dormant until a trigger wakes them up. Could be words, actions, even places. Knowing what triggers your fears will help you either avoid them or work on them so they don't trigger you in the future. And another option may be to look into group therapy. Maybe you're not sure how deep your issues go and you could benefit from being around others who share these behaviors and people that are proactively working towards healing, together sharing their growth, as you could gain a lot of insight just by connecting and learning from their experiences. And by sharing your experiences with them, you'd get this bottled up anxiety out of your system. Give others in your group the opportunity to know you, to know more about you, and discover if you're actually there for your own best intentions in mind. I personally find this form of therapy a good option, as I had gone to a group after I went through my divorce many years ago to try and figure out how I could have married someone who was in fact not at all what I had envisioned for myself as a life partner. I did find out so much about myself and why I chose the people in my life at that time that were not healthy people for me. I learned how to recognize, for the most part, my need for wanting to heal them from their pain, as we empaths do, while all the while they were about was projecting their pain and traumas onto me. As an empathic soul, all I was doing was absorbing their pain and not understanding the process. I had unfortunately turned it inward onto myself. Needless to say, I had spent several years actually doing the work and attribute much of who I have evolved into today to that group of wonderful people. And although I don't know them anymore, I'm wishing them love and a big thank you. The difference today is that, yes, I'm still going to continue to be the person I've always been in that I will always try to help those in need if I can, but now I have a much better discernment when dealing with people, and for the most part, I can recognize who is really in need of a compassionate help and who is coming to suck out the life force for their own selfish agendas. I can see it for the most part. <laughs> I try to run. One of the main aspects of self-sabotage and fear of intimacy is the inability to talk about feelings and problems. We avoid talking about personal issues because talking means feelings. And you want to avoid feelings at all costs, right? But expressing emotions, fears, as well as your needs will not only help you identify problems, but will also help others understand you better. Self-sabotaging your relationship is understandable when you look at the possible causes 
So it is important to be kind to yourself. It's okay to get help when you need it. Seek therapy or a compassionate friend to listen. Remember, it's also important to communicate with your partner. Being able to allow yourself to be vulnerable and helping the other person understand this side of you, even when it is the very thing you're trying to avoid, but letting them in can help you break those ingrained patterns of self-sabotage. You all know how much I love music of many genres, and recently I came upon a YouTube video uh, by a band named Clan, C-L-A-N-N. The album is called Kin Fables. The song is called The Stolen Child. There's a brief video that goes along with the song, and it's really more of an ethereal type of video that really touched my soul. It's so amazing that I highly recommend it if you're feeling lost and in need of some clarity of why we do what we do when denying our soul's purpose and desires. How we can get so caught up in our losses through life that we find that we may isolate, shut the world out, and those who care about us. The video is so deep and soul-touching as it reminded me of someone I used to know who I believe is currently going through a dark night of the soul and I'm sending some love and some light their way as I know from first-hand experience how dark and lonely this experience can be. The video is about a knight who is wandering through life trapped in an old and corroding iron armor searching for... Well, I won't spoil it. I'll let you discover what he's seeking when he comes upon a queen fairy who holds the key to his past. If only he would allow himself to see his truth. Sometimes we can walk only so far and hide from ourselves for so long before we have to face ourselves our shadow, if you will, and get real with what we are, what we fear, what we have denied. The Queen Fairy explains to the knight about the brutal realities of mankind and how he has put himself in a tomb of armor and cast himself into exile because of his denial of his human emotions and loss of love and self-love. He asked the Queen Fairy, why would she care about human sorrows and the mortal fates of man? And she replied, Because what has ever been real without you beholding it? So deep, right? That line right there says it all. By that I mean we can walk this earth allowing our pain and suffering to imprison us. We've all been there at one time or another. To destroy our faith in humanity and ourselves to the point where we lose sight of what, you know, what we're here for, why we're here in this moment. And one day we begin to realize that we are mere mortals with a finite time allowed to each of us. No matter how strong and brave we may think we are, we must face our demons as we dance with the angels of change, the angels of death and time. We must eventually acknowledge and embrace our dark side as well as our light. Or we will live in our own self-made mental prison, never really embracing true joy, true love, denying ourselves our best life. You see, no one can live our lives for us, that's true. No one can make us see, nor accept what we refuse. 
Only we ourselves can walk our path and embrace the realities that we cannot deny one without denying the other. If we only accept the dark side, there is no light. And only making room for the light and denying our darkness is where we get into trouble. As the dark will not be rejected for too long. As it will eventually become all-consuming and destroy the light that is within all of us. Before we conclude today, I'd like to share a passage from Carl Jung's The Red Book, my favorite of his work, which I and many believe his most important work. Be silent and listen. Have you recognized your madness and do you admit it? Have you noticed that all of your foundations are completely mired in madness? Do you not want to recognize your madness and welcome it in a friendly manner? You wanted to accept everything, so accept madness too. Let the light of your madness shine, and it will suddenly dawn on you. Madness is not to be despised and not to be feared, but instead, you should give it life. If you want to find paths, you should also not spurn madness, since it makes up such a great part of nature. Be glad that you can recognize it, for you will thus avoid becoming its victim. Madness is a special form of the spirit and clings to all teachings and philosophies, but even more to a daily life, since life itself is full of craziness and at the bottom utterly illogical. Man strives towards reasons only so that he can make rules for himself. Life itself has no rules. That is its mystery and its unknown law. What you call knowledge is an attempt to impose something comprehensible on life. End passage. Couldn't have said it better myself, really. So family, I know this was a lot of information today and we barely scratched the surface as to how deep the topic can go. So I'll be bringing you another episode soon and possibly a very special guest who can delve deeper into the issues we face when beginning our journey to self-actualization and integration of our dark side with our light. We must always continue to be aware of our triggers and work through them to continue to be amazing creatures that our divine source has intended us to be. And although that is not always the easy task, just remember that we do not always have everything together as we continue our journey through this life. We are always ever evolving work in progress until our very last breath. So do your best to enjoy the ride. And as I had constantly told my children to always see the bigger picture, even when things seem their darkest, there will always be some rays of light. Sometimes, we just have to be the light. So as we wrap up another fascinating topic, let's end it with our quote of the day. What drives people to war with themselves is the suspicion or the knowledge that they consist of two persons in opposition to one another. The conflict may be between the sensual and the spiritual man or between the ego and the shadow. Carl Gustav Jung. 
As we come to the end of the show today, I hope I've enticed your mind just a little bit. Maybe you're asking yourself a few new questions or maybe you found an answer to some. Love to hear your thoughts as to what you may have received from the show and what dark areas you'd like to explore in future episodes. And remember, if today has you feeling anxious, confused, and triggered, or even a little weary, take a moment right now to quiet your mind. Just breathe. Let go of all your distractions and embrace mindfulness. Focus your intentions on what you really want. Clarify and let go of that which no longer serves you. Remember your determination is your power and your peace to realize your true purpose as these brief and mindful moments can allow a new path to arise. So till next time, walk in the light on the dark side, right here where your vibe attracts your tribe.